Hello ladies and gentlemen and welcome to episode 3 of the One Stop Strategy Podcast on the ASN Podcast Network. I'm your host Will Knight and joining me as always are my very good friends and very special guests Davide Binis and Max Dimel. Yesterday we saw the Portuguese Grand Prix take place for the uh, first time in 24 years. It was certainly a magnificent event. We saw Lewis Hamilton claim his 92nd win, which broke the record which Michael Schumacher held for 19 years. Davide, I'm going to come to you first. Just give me your thoughts on this brand new record. How are Mercedes going to take this and go even further with it in the future? Yeah, it's an amazing record. I mean, 92 wins um, for Lewis Hamilton, um, overtaking Michael Schumacher. I've never thought that uh, someone could do that. So, um, yeah, very good job for, for Mercedes and also for Lewis Hamilton, of course. He really deserves it. Uh, he's doing a very good job before Formula one. What a career. I don't know. I don't, I'm almost speechless. And I think that Mercedes will keep doing what her, uh, doing now so winning and winning and winning we'll see from 2021 onwards but i think that they have all the means to to keep doing this and yeah i think they will break more records with time and yeah they they deserve this i mean they've built uh, amazing cars throughout these six seven years so yeah very good job and Max, obviously, we all made our predictions before the race actually went ahead. How do you, you feel that your predictions matched up with the race and how it actually went in the long run? Um, I don't really have them in mind for now, to be honest. But I think that I predicted Lewis Hamilton's win. Um, I think it was pretty clear that uh, he's like in the main spot of being capable to win. Um, and so he did. And um, to touch on your question before... I think it is just an amazing achievement. He's broken a record that we always had in our minds as the record in Formula 1 for wins. No, I think it will take a bit uh, until we change it in our minds that Michael Schumacher's 91 wins aren't the record anymore. And um, yeah, I think Mercedes will keep pushing. Lewis Hamilton always saying, yeah, um, they're, they're getting closer. Uh, we have to continue our hard work. Um, so I think as long as uh, Red Bull or Ferrari even, or any other team isn't getting any further closer to Mercedes, they will extend that um, that record. And I'm pretty excited for um, onto how many wins it will go. And I'm pretty sure it will surpass the 100 win mark, which would be amazing to see. Now, the Portuguese Grand Prix gave us plenty of talking points. Obviously, we had the very odd, dramatic tyre situation with that many drivers had with the cooling track, uh, many drivers not being able to get enough temperature, graining, several facts of that. We had many crashes, Stroll having the ability to forget how to drive, for instance. So I'm just going to come to that, actually, first of all, because Lando Norris, uh, I think he's been in the media quite a lot after that race with uh, the message he said on Team Radio. And Lance Stroll specifically, he had to apologize to. He, he said, well, he swore quite a lot on the on the radio. Definitely not exactly the way you'd want to see yourself being talked about in the media. And that comes just off of the back of Stroll missing the German Grand Prix. Davide, Stroll, surely, he apparently he's got his seat finalized. Obviously, he's the son of the uh, the team owner, so there's no way he's going to lose his seat. How do you think 
this is going to affect him. Obviously, he's missed the race. Hulkenberg has massively performed in a Grand Prix, which he wasn't even expecting uh, be expecting to do 20 minutes before. How do you think that's going to affect Stroll's confidence as we move into Imola? Yeah, of course, uh, Stroll is not going to lose his seat, of course. Uh, you know, he's dead. He's the owner, so uh, he will be in Formula 1 for next year as well. But yeah, mentally, it's it's not good for him. You know, he lost the race and Hulkenberg, Hulkenberg performed uh, extremely well. Uh, he did an amazing job. And yeah, two mistakes the, this weekend, uh, both in FP2 with uh, Max Verstappen in the same corner and with Lando Norris in turn one during the race. Uh, it, it was a very weird move, you know, there from the outside, very difficult. I mean, we've seen many other drivers uh, doing performing that move and they did it. So, yeah, Lance Stroll, maybe it's not the best driver on the grid, uh, in my opinion, to be honest. But of course, uh, his dad can bring money, so he will stay in Formula 1. And I mean, I'm not saying that is not good, but sometimes um, I would prefer other drivers rather than, than him for uh, for example uh, Hulkenberg uh, as we said before and and Paris but yeah he will stay in Formula 1 he's talented but yeah sometimes he's doing weird things uh, as he did in in Portimao last weekend so yeah I wouldn't if his dad wasn't the, the owner I wouldn't keep him in uh, in my team and Max your thoughts on that um, yeah, I agree to everyone. everything you two have just said. Um, of course, it is impossible to see Lance Stroll out of the seat in the future. Um, but, I mean, if you compare and, and collate that, um, what Stroll had as a scenario that he was injured um, and then came back um, and in the meantime was replaced by Nick Hulkenberg, Sergio Perez had exactly the same scenario and was even out for two races. And he came back with a P5. Um and yeah, he has scored points in every single race he has raced in Sergio Paris, which is impressive. When we compare that to Lance Stroll, he had a good phase from uh, the second race in Austria on until his podium in Italy. But since then, um, we haven't seen a um, lot from uh, Stroll. I think on Magello, he crashed out. Uh, then in, in Russia, he got spun. Then he missed out in Germany. Now, Portimao, it was a nightmare race, in my opinion, that he just faced. Um, after the clash he had in, in FP2, uh, which was unnecessary. Then afterwards, um, I mean, he started well in that race, but that move on, on Landon Norris was just unnecessary to do it th uh, at that point. I think Stroll had to pace to overtake him, and Lando wasn't just on pace uh, at that day. And in the end, he was just running back, then got a second penalty, and then retired. So um, I think that race was a complete nightmare. and. Um, yeah, of course, you can't exchange him uh, in, a, in a person of Lawrence Stroll. Um, that would be pretty awkward. But um, yeah, if, if he continues with the form he currently has, then I would really consider it if I would have been uh, his teammate, uh, his team boss, sorry. Um, so yeah, Lawrence Stroll, really one of the losers for me uh, from the last races. And just in your answer there, you mentioned Sergio Perez. He's been in the media quite a lot now, but not for the reason many people would have thought. Obviously, he's been linked to basically every seat on the grid now. He's been linked with Red Bull, Haas, and now quite the bizarre rumour that he might even be going to Williams. And in my mind, I thought to myself, well, that's just not going to happen because Williams have their driver lineup. They set that months ago, I believe before the season 
had even properly got under the underway. Maybe after the first couple weekends, they'd already signed George Russell and Nicholas Latifi. But then when you think about it, Perez himself allegedly had a contract for the next few years with Racing Point, now becoming Aston Martin, and he finds himself out of a drive. And when you match up the facts, like when you look into what Perez brings as a driver, he brings a good amount of experience. He brings talent. But most of all for Williams, he brings sponsorship. Now, realistically, Davide, if you were to look at Sergio Perez and George Russell and think that Doralton Capital would remove this great Mercedes prodigy who's being crafted into the next British world champion for Sergio Perez, who's nearly at the end of his career. He maybe has another five or maybe possibly six years left in him. And they are getting rid of George Russell. Do you see this as a positive for Russell? He could go to Mercedes, have a year as their test driver, or even to replace Bottas. And Williams get that much needed experience they need to build a car which can put them back into the midfield. Just ha- give me your thoughts on that. I would I would see this as a positive thing for, for Russell, only if Mercedes uh, would drop Bottas in 2021. I mean, if Russell loses a year in Formula One like Ocon did, um, I don't think it would be it would be good for him. So if Mercedes uh, drops Bottas in right after this year, and Russell can go to Mercedes for 2021 and uh, alongside Hamilton, yes, that would be that would help Mercedes and Williams as well because, as you said, Paris brings talent, money, and experience. But uh, if I were in Williams. Uh, I wouldn't drop Russell. You know he's very talented. He has a bright, a bright future um, in front of him. And yeah, also in, if I were in Mercedes, uh, I wouldn't uh, let him go away. I mean, uh, he's just he's just too good for not being Formula One. I mean, okay, also Paris is very good, but uh, as you said, he's uh, at the end of his career. If I if I were Mercedes, I would keep Russell at any cost. I wouldn't change him with any other driver. So uh, just to sum up, I would see this as a positive thing for Russell only if Mercedes can drop Bottas right after this year. Uh, otherwise, I, I wouldn't change Russell for, for any any other driver on the grid. What what are your thoughts, Max? Max? Um, I pretty much agree with you. Um, it could be a win situation for George Russell. Uh, it could be a loser situation. Um, but I personally am not a big fan of these um, rumors with Paris to Williams because I just think that, of course, Paris would build up Williams and it would be a huge benefit. But if they aren't in a position to just kick Nicholas Latifi out because of their money problems, which I think are ridiculous uh, after they got a new um, new team owners, uh, owner. So, yeah, pretty ridiculous, I think, in the end. But... Um, if, if they had uh, the opportunity to just let Latifi go instead of uh, instead of Paris, then I would say, yeah, would be a great move. Uh, if Paris wants to do that, which he probably wants to, and just go for it. But I don't think that it would be so clever to exchange a George Russell because we've seen George Russell in Q2 multiple times in that car, which ne- since they've had their downfall, no driver could reach uh, closely. The Tifi did it like once or twice, but we were pretty lucky circumstances. So yeah, Russell is really getting the maximum out of the car. And 
I don't think that they should just drop him because of money. Paris is a good driver, no doubt in that. Um, but it would be, I think, it wouldn't be a bad step for Williams, but it would be unnecessary. Um, and also, I think that Mercedes wouldn't be so happy with that if the Williams is just dropping one of the junior drivers uh, in favor of another one outside of the Mercedes bubble. Um so, yeah, I don't think it is going to be a good move in the end. Probably not from the sportive perspective. I think that would be fine. Um, but from the outside. And uh, if it ha- really happens that Paris is replacing Russell, I don't see Russell in a seat uh, next year. Because I don't think that Mercedes are just deciding to drop Bottas. Uh, it would be too much, I think. But, yeah, what are your thoughts on that, Will? Now, don't hate me, but just hear me out. I'm not entirely sure that Perez going to Williams would actually be as bad of a prospect as many people would assume it to be. Although it does look like George Russell would lose his place in Formula 1, and although George Russell deserves that seat more than Sergio Perez in my mind, for whatever reason, if Mercedes looked at this situation and bought out Valtteri Bottas's contract and put George Russell in that Mercedes, not only would we have some fantastic young talent ready to take the fight to Lewis Hamilton or even just learn from Lewis Hamilton, Sergio Perez would have a drive. It would leave the likes of the Red Bull seat open for a driver like Nico Hülkenberg or Pierre Gasly. We would have multiple seats at Haas or Alfa Romeo for the new junior drivers coming in. Uh, and it would it would just be some one of those moves which you could technically see happening. And although in some ways there is a negative slant to it, if there is that one key element that Valtteri Bottas does get moved on for George Russell, all of the rest of the dominoes will essentially fall into place for the rest of the grid. Silly season now. We're right in the hottest part of it. We've had the the big movers of of the likes of Sebastian Vettel and Carlos Sainz and Ricardo, but now is that key time when the midfield cars start pulling together their minds and their heads into who they will sign for next season, and it will allow us to see some fantastic new talent, some returning new talent, without compromising the key aspects of the Formula One grid and the current drivers that are on it. Now, in that, I did mention the Haas seats. Now, gentlemen, I'm going to cast your minds back to Thursday. We were all under the opinion that silly season was done, no more giant moves were going to be made, and we were essentially just looking at Red Bull for now. And then Haas announced, or specifically Roman Grosjean, announced that Roman Grosjean will be moved on from Haas F1 team. In my mind, I thought that this would mean that Kevin Magnussen would get signed on. But about 30 minutes to 40 minutes later, Magnussen announced that he would also be leaving Haas. Now, originally, many of the F1 fans were thinking that the likes of Callum Eilat, Nico Hülkenberg, Sergio Perez or Mick Schumacher would get that seat. But, Davide, I'm just going to give you one name, and I just want to hear your opinions on this name. Nikita Mazepin is apparently being lined up for that Haas seat. 
if you were Gunther Steiner and you had the option of signing Mick Schumacher, this golden opportunity in the form of marketing, talent, speed, and future world champion, or Nikita Mazepin, who would you choose? Of course, I would choose uh, Mick Schumacher. Um, but then I would think that in Formula 1, you need a lot of money. And once again, you know, there's a driver that can bring money to a team, which is not in the best situation at the moment. Haas is not in the best situation since 2019, since last year. So, yeah, you, I would also have to take into account that uh, Mazepin is bringing money. Um, but, you know, in Formula 1, you need to be very talented. And I think that Mick Schumacher is way more talented than Nikita. I mean, not not just to um, underestimate him, Nikita Mazepin, but I think that Schumacher is, is better than him. Um, so it's a difficult it's it's a difficult choice um, for for Gunther Steiner and for the Haas team. Um, you know, one guy has a lot of talent and the other one has money. Uh, it's it's very it's very hard actually. But I would go for for Mick Schumacher. Um, yeah, it's just too good not to to have a seat in Formula One. What uh, are your thoughts, guys? Um, obviously, I think it's quite a controversial opinion but I don't really understand the kind of I think you can really call it hate against Mazepin um, because since the first beginning uh, when it was said that there is the rumor of Mazepin possibly going to has it was for sure um, because of the money he has due to his father but Mazepin is not that bad of a driver I mean he has scored great um, results in Formula 2 of course he is nowhere against the McSchumacher but um, he he is one of the drivers who has really evaluated from 2019 to 2020 and really made big steps. So I wouldn't um, say that it would be wrong to take him into Formula 1. He has the talent to do it, uh, surely. The bad thing is that there are drivers who have more talent than him. And I think that is the reason for, for the hate he's getting. Um I have to agree, agree with Will. Um, I was also surprised that Haas kicked out both drivers, not only Magnussen, uh, uh, but also Grosjean, or the other way around. Um, and yeah, I thought the same. When Grosjean was announced to go, um, Magnussen would have stayed. Uh, it wasn't that way. And I mean, Haas is like at the lowest point they've ever had. Roman Grosjean, after he got fired, he fired against his team and said, yeah, this is probably the worst car on the 2020 grid. So they can't do much worse, really. So I think they should really go for it and try two rookies. And if they are Mazepin and Schumacher, for example, it would be fully fine for me. I don't think that Haas really needs um, such a top driver like Perez or Hulkenberg to come back to the good times they've had. Um, I think with two rookies, they can also do the same and also adapt them to the new regulations. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I don't want to make any bold predictions on who they will sign, because I think it's just too difficult. Um, but, I mean, if they sign Mazepin, if they sign Schumacher, if they sign Eilert, it would be all fine. And I think they can really do an, a big experiment and try out some young charges to build up that young team. Um, what do you think, Will? Well, uh, personally, 
I'm not under the influence that Mazepin is a bad driver. I I don't think, in my opinion, he is Formula One worthy. But one key aspect that I do think is this is essentially the second punch to the face Nikita Mazepin has given Callum Eilat. Now, in in ref, just in case you don't know what I'm talking about, that is in reference to when Nikita Mazepin approached Callum Eilat in 2016 Formula Three at the Hungara Ring. He was allegedly blocked by Eilat in FP2, and that gave Mazepin the right to walk up to Eilat and apparently punch him in the face. Now, although this isn't exactly the same thing. It's nonetheless a sporting slap in the face. Mazepin is swept in with his father's money in contrast to Callum Eilat's talent. Callum Eilat is second in that championship. He still has the ability to win the Formula 2 championship. Although with Mick Schumacher's rise in recent races, that won't most likely happen. In 2018, we saw the top three get promoted to Formula 1 from Formula 2. Alex Albon, Lando Norris, and George Russell. In my opinion, with the way that Eilat's been driving this year, he deserves that seat more than Mazepin. Because although Mazepin has impressed in terms of the wins that he's had, obviously he won in Mugello, you have to take a look at the win in Mugello and think that he only won there because of the safety car and the fact that he was on fresher tyres at the front of the grid. The only person he really had to get past was Luca Giotto. And no offence to Luca Giotto, but he's been in Formula 2 for four years now, I think. He's not going to get to Formula 1 anytime soon. If you look at the way that the careers have spanned, Callum Eilat is one of the drivers who deserves to be in Formula 1, but right now it does not look like he'll get to Formula 1 because of the likes of pay drivers like Nikita Mazepin and Lance Stroll. We've we've touched on pay drivers before. The their their presence in Formula 1 has always been been here. It, Formula 1 originated as a place where rich people could get their adrenaline running and essentially boosting uh, the economy with sponsorship in the 60s. And I'm going to be a bit cheeky Max you said that you didn't want to make a bold prediction about who Haas will sign. So I'm going to ask both of you now to give me your predictions on who Haas are going to sign. Um, I think they will sign um, Schumacher and, and Eilert. I don't think they will sign Nikita, even though he can bring money. Uh, it's I repeat it, it's a difficult decision. Don't get me wrong, uh, of course, Nikita is a great driver. He's in Formula 2, uh, he wouldn't be there. But yeah, uh, as Max said, uh, there are drivers with more talent, uh, for instance, Ma- Schumacher and, and Eilert. And you also have to think about Schwarzman. Um, we, didn't talk about, we didn't talk about him, but he's also a very good driver. Uh, he's shown he has great talent. But yeah, uh, I think they will sign Schumacher and Eilert. I hope they will, they will sign Eilert and, because he deserves it. I disagree with Eilert. Um, I think you mentioned Schwartzman, and I think that Schwartzman and Eilert are like the ones looking into the tube in that whole Haas Alpha F1 situation. Because everyone said, yeah, Schwartzman, Eilert, Schumacher, they can be in Formula 1 in 2021. They have the pace, they have the talent. Okay, Schumacher and Eilert have been doing an amazing job, and Schwartzman had a bit of unluck and just 
um, wasn't on pace in the last races, but without doubt, he still is a great talent. But, I mean, in the end, I could really see Schwartzman and Eilert just saying in Formula 2, or maybe Eilert not. Uh, I think either he's like saying, yeah, I'm just heading out and not trying to dream of F1 first, but uh, stumbling into another series and then maybe coming back. I mean, we had that in the past with Brenton Hartley, for example, although it took long, and it's a very weird example. Um, and Schwartzman just staying for another year um, because, yeah, Will, you said, um, yeah, you asked for our predictions. I think if I, sh if I would predict on what will really happen completely without what I would love to see, I would say that Haas is going for Schumacher as well, but also for Mazepin because I think that all these rumours are not coming from nowhere. And I also believe in the rumours uh, saying that Alpha could possibly stay with Giovinazzi and Raikkonen, uh, which is another topic. But uh, I think that Haas will go with uh, Schumacher and Mazepin go all in with two rookies next year. Well, I was just going to say that um, Max's point actually links directly into mine because the man who I was going to throw into the ring for that Haas seat was Antonio Giovinazzi. By the end of this year, he'll have two years of Formula 1 experience which won't exactly counteract the lack of experience from a rookie, but it will do better than having two rookies. Not only would that allow uh, one uh, Ferrari Junior at Haas, but it would also allow one Ferrari Junior at Alfa Romeo and allow Kiki Raikkonen, although, don't even get me started on that topic, it will allow him to stay at Alfa Romeo. We we could see Giovinazzi's career essentially saved by the fact that Haas do not want the likes of Kevin Magnussen or Roman Grosjean in their seat. Obviously, Grosjean's probably going to be going to Formula E. Magnussen, nobody knows where he's going. Likely, he'll end up in IndyCar or NASCAR, somewhere in America. But um, I, th I think it's such a lottery of drivers. The only two people who I could reasonably see in the black and red overalls next year of the Haas car is either Mick Schumacher or Callum Eilert, most likely in my opinion Callum Eilert, and Antonio Giovinazzi. So realistically, those are the two people that I want to go with, but I, I do fundamentally believe that there will be a Ferrari Junior in that car at the end of not only this year with the Junior test coming up, but for all of next season in 2021 and furthermore as well as that we also have some more news in terms of Renault Esteban Ocon has been in the news lately and Max I just want to come to you now with this thought Pierre Gasly we've brought him up before we talked about him possibly going back to Red Bull. I think we came to the decision that most likely he'd end up somewhere else. But apparently Pierre Gasly is in talks with Renault to replace Ocon and be a Renault driver alongside Fernando Alonso next year. Just give me your thoughts on that. As I've read the, the rumour first, I was just thinking, like, how, how did they came to that rumour? Like, either this was someone completely drunk who just had the idea of, oh yeah, who could drive for Renault? Um, I don't like Ocon. So next to Fernando, oh, Pierre Gasly, French driver, French team, fits. Um, 
But I think it does make sense because if you like compare Esteban Ocon to Daniel Ricciardo, Ocon is nowhere. There's no doubt in that. Ocon is doing good results, but he's not doing the Daniel Ricciardo outstanding results, um, which is an issue, I think, um, because if Renault really wants to be like on the top of the midfield, they need two competitive uh, drivers. And Esteban Ocon, for me, isn't the right driver next to Daniel Ricciardo. I mean, Ricardo is a good driver and he's setting like the level of pace really high. So it is difficult for Ocon. But on the other hand, I think that Pierre Gasly next to Fernando Alonso could be an impressive lineup. Um, I don't think that it will happen because I think that Ocon's two-year contract, although we know that contracts don't mean that much in these times, um, will be fulfilled um, in the end. What he does then is in the stars, um, but I don't see such a bold move. Um, of course, Gasly is in the talks with Renault. Of course, Gasly is nowhere near Red Bull seat for the future. Christian Horner has just said next year it will be Plan A Albon or someone from outside. So he shot the door for Pierre Gasly. Um, but I think Gasly could really use 2021 as a year of great results again at AlphaTauri. He has shown an, another amazing performance um, at Portimao. So I think that he will just take next year in, in AlphaTauri um, to then make the step out of the Red Bull Driver Academy um, whole program thing and switch to Renault. That would be the more logical um, way how this could end up. But David A. Gasly and talks with Renault. Aston Ocon possibly out next year. What do you think of that topic? I think that we won't see that move. I think that Renault will stay with the, uh, Alonso and, and Ocon. Also remember that Ocon didn't drive last year, so, uh, you know, he needs to get used to this. Uh, I know that we are almost uh, to the end of the of the championship, so he drove many races, but, you know, it's one year of Formula 1. It's not easy to, to start again. And so, yeah, I think they will keep... Uh, Ocon and, and Alonso and I've also seen a news I mean not the news but um, a, a rumor that said that Gasly would stay in AlphaTauri so I hope that the Italian team can build a, a competitive car for next year so Gasly can really do well and maybe scores even more podiums and also Helmut Marco gave some hints about the second driver which would be um, Nick uh, Tsunoda uh, but we don't know um, about that. Uh, it's just a rumor. Uh, we'll see uh, what will happen. But yeah, of course, Gasly won't go to Red Bull. I'm sure about that. Um, I don't think Red Bull will keep Albon uh, either. So yeah, I think Gasly will stay at AlphaTauri and, and Ocon will stay in Renault uh, alongside Alonso. And I think that Ocon can really uh, improve much alongside the, the two-time two world champion. Uh, the Spaniard. I think realistically, with uh, with Pierre Gasly, Max, you mentioned him. Um, the 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 three stages of his career so far have been 2018, where Red Bull picked him up off the ground, 2019, where they slammed him onto the pavement, and 2020 is essentially spitting on him. So, in my opinion, it wouldn't be as weird or wacky as some of the moves we've already seen this year. Who would have thought three years ago that Daniel Ricciardo would be a McLaren driver in 2020 or that 
Carlos Sainz would be regretting a move to Ferrari. So Pierre Gasly to Renault is certainly not the weirdest thing I've heard all year. I would not have thought that Fernando Alonso would be back in Formula 1 with a team like Renault. I did not think that he would be back in a midfield car, one that was unlikely to challenge for podiums, however has secured one at the Nürburgring. So 2020 is just an unravelling set of events which we cannot realistically predict. So we do all of these predictions, but at the end of the day, most likely they will be wrong. Um, Quite a lot of our own opinions do influence these predictions. And, well, we can only really guess at this point, but one thing I do want to have your predictions about is Imola. We've got the two-day weekend coming up. Obviously, the teams have gone from Portugal. They're going straight over to Imola over the next couple days. Max, last time we saw Imola was 2006. Fernando Alonso and Michael Schumacher were at the top of their game. They were fighting out for world championships. And now, Renault and Ferrari are not only midfield teams, but Michael Schumacher's record has just been broken, and Fernando Alonso is testing a Formula 1 car again. So, how do you think the teams are going to deal with this differing set of cars around the circuit? And, most importantly, who do you think is going to win? Yeah, as you've mentioned, it is the perfect timing for Imola uh, due to the current circumstances and the circumstances which are happening in the future. Um, now, the funniest question first. Um, who do I think is going to win? I think i make it boring. Safe, but boring. I think that Lewis Hamilton will take win number 93. He's, he's just on another level. He has won at Portimao with a cramp. He's completely outscored Valtteri Bottas, no chance. Once again, Bottas was ahead, FP1, FP2, FP3, Q1, I think also Q2. And then Hamilton just came in and smashed Bottas. That was like, he completely demonstrated what a driver he is and what a character he is. And I think that he um, keeps a current mood. Um, I mean, of course, we have seen crazy races in Italy. We have had two uh, in, in Monza and in, uh, at Mugello. But I don't think that um, it will be crazy at, at the front. Um, so, yeah, but what I think is that Max Verstappen will punch Bottas too and, and take P2 um, and that I see Valtteri Bottas in, in P3. So making it a bit boring, do you not predict any midfield teams? Um, but it will be interesting. I mean, we haven't raced at Imola for a long time. We could see something surprising. We don't know how the pace is. Ferrari look pretty good suddenly in Portimao. Um, let's just hopefully wait and see for a good race. And although I predicted the normal top three, I would say, just a bit different order, hopefully we will see a great mix-up. And maybe Pierre Gasly is like saying, hey, Renault, you can take me for next year. I'm, I'm a go for next win. But yeah, let's just wait and see. I would go for the same predictions uh, as you, Max. Uh, yeah. Pretty boring. We would see that same podium for the seventh time, I, I guess, this season. And remember that, yeah, the two previous Italian Grand Prix have been crazy. So I hope that, that we'll see a crazy race once again in Italy. And remember that the only team that drove around Imola was Alfa Tauri, I guess, with um, Pierre Gasly and, and Daniel Kibiat. So I think we could see uh, another great performance from the 
from the French driver. I hope he will he will maybe score a podium, even though it's it's very difficult. And also Ferrari have improved a lot. Uh, I really like their performance in, in Portimao, especially with with Charles before very solid pace during the race. He didn't lose positions like he did in Mugello. And there's also Sebastian, very good race, P10. He, he did what he could, so he, he did the best uh, he could do. And But yeah, I think Hamilton will literally um, demolish uh, Valtteri Bottas. He won by 50, 20, 25 seconds in, in Portimao, and it was just crazy. Uh, so yeah, I, I would go with Bottas and... Uh, sorry, Hamilton, Verstappen and Bottas. And let's see the midfield... Uh, I hope for a great race. Maybe it can rain. I don't know. It's quite cold. We'll see. Um, what are your thoughts, Will? Now, as you know, I do love a controversial opinion. And uh, my controversial opinion of the week is that tensions at Mercedes are going to boil over. I think that Hamilton has won his 92nd race. He's on the verge of being a seven-time world champion. And Valtteri Bottas doesn't really like that that much. I think both of them are going to be quite aggressive into that fast-flowing section of the uh, of the lap at Imola, and I think we're going to see a Mercedes double DNF. And not only do I think we're going to see a Mercedes double DNF, but I think Max Verstappen won't have as e- as an easy win as we think he would in that case if he was the only leading car. So my prediction is that neither Verstappen, Hamilton or Bottas are going to be on that podium, or at least one of them will be on that podium. I think we're going to see another midfield podium, as we have seen uh, over the last few weeks and in certain races. And my prediction is that Carlos Sainz will win his first Grand Prix in Formula 1. I'm just going to wait for the Lando Norris fans to start hating on me. Um, now that they've done that, um, my opinion of that is is that Carlos Sainz, he's had so many difficult weekends recently. He's had so many difficult weekends in 2020, but with Portimao, he's led a Grand Prix uh, for the second time this season, for a matter of fact, and he is on the verge of becoming a Ferrari driver. Maybe he just needs to punch through that confidence barrier that he needs to before he can properly get up to grips with this this season and fight back into the top 10. I just have one one thing to say. I love your your controversial way of thinking. If we can get a race like that, uh, mate, that would be that would be amazing. And yeah, I also thought that Max Verstappen um wouldn't win very easily. So yeah, I can agree with you, but we'll see. We'll see what Imola can can give us. Yeah, just agreed to that. I mean, Will has just once again fired something. Uh, yeah, he did. You definitely got balls on that prediction. Uh, hopefully, they're crystal because that would mean an impressive race. And yeah, Carlos is in shape at the moment, so why not see him uh, on the top step of the podium? That would be pretty impressive. And that that happens, I'm literally going to pay you something, mate. <laughs> I think we should probably just start making bets on this podcast at this point because we make enough controversial opinions. It might as well, might as well try and make some money or, or see some of us do some funny things out of it. I don't know maybe, maybe we could ask some of the guys at the uh, the magazine to uh, make those uh, opinions. Now, one final opi- uh, one final prediction 
and this might be a bit out there, might be a bit weird, but George Russell, obviously, final uh, point that I, I do want to just state off of my own my own thoughts is a bit random, but I just sort of get the feeling that he's going to score his first points. I know I say this every week, but I, I get the feeling he's going to score his first points this weekend with Williams. Davide, is he going to score his first points or is he not going to score his first points? Uh, he's been so close to score points this season. Uh, I think he was in P9 or, or maybe P7 during the Portimao Grand Prix and I thought he would score his first points. Uh, so, I, yeah, I hope he will score his first points in, in Imola. That would be amazing for him. I mean, he's outscored um, Latifi in every race, so I hope he will score his first points. And, I, yeah, I agree with you. I think he will score. I will get maybe a P10 or P9, so not many points, but... Yeah, he will do it. Um, I think I'm just going realistically and say no. Uh, I I know uh, where your thoughts are coming from, um, but I'm just saying it won't happen. Uh, just to be on the, on the safe side, let's say. I mean, we. I think we can. I can speak uh, like for all and say that we would love it to see George finally scoring his first points. I mean, I don't want to see him like given a, a hound by Luca Bedoya for breaking the record for the longest. Uh, race without a race time without a point that would be that would be bad because George doesn't deserve it. Um, but I think if we don't see a rack fest like we've had in, in Austria um, or at Mugello as well, uh, I don't think that uh, we will see Russell score a point because the Williams is, is evaluating and it's getting quicker and quicker, better and better pace. But I think they're still not at the point where they can fight for points uh, from their own performance onwards. So, yeah, I I would love to see it, but I'm just calming myself down and say it won't happen. Uh, but I really have to connect with Will. I'm also saying that often. Uh, and if it happens now, then I'm going to take the bill for that. I think it's, it's mainly just the British fanboy in me that's sort of screaming outwards that, uh, that something like that is going to happen. But I think... Uh, I think that's all from me, guys. Have either of you two got anything to add? No, I just don't have anything to add. Thank you guys for this amazing podcast. Um, follow us. And thank you once again. Yeah, I can just uh, agree on that. Um, also, nothing to say anymore. Um, great rumors we've discussed. Um, great predictions we've given, especially Will, uh, with his prediction that science is going to win at Imola. Um, so yeah, we will hopefully see uh, a great race at Imola. Um, that's what I wanted to say. And yeah, thanks again for um, the great podcast. Thanks Will for hosting me. And uh, yeah, follow us, as Davide said, um, to not miss anything in the world of Ace and podcasts. And then I would say I hand over to Will. Thank you very much, Max. Thank you very much, Davide. And thank you very much to all of you guys listening. Remember to check out all of our socials, ASN Motorsports on Instagram and Twitter. Remember to check out our other podcasts on the ASN Podcast Network as well. We've got the big one with Anton and Jimil, and we've also got the guys over with Formula 2 and Formula 3. And, well, just once again, thank you very much for listening. I hope you have a fantastic evening, and we'll see you again when we review the Grand Prix of Emilia Romana. Thank you very much, and have a nice evening.